Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Well, let's get into God's word today as I preach on unprecedented times call for an unprecedented God. These truly are unprecedented times. They are um, extraordinary times. In fact, the Republic last week said this. This is a quote from our newspaper here locally. We're living in unprecedented times and under extraordinary measures. We're living in unprecedented times and under extraordinary measures. Never before have we, at least in our generation, faced anything like this. The entire world has never faced anything like this. These are unprecedented times, so let's ask our unprecedented God that he will break through during these times. In Luke chapter 1, when the angel had talked to Mary about the fact that she, as a virgin, was going to conceive a child, she wondered how this could happen, and the angel's response, I think, is important not only for her, but it's important to us. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says, for nothing, or excuse me, for with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. This morning, I would just want to share a few thoughts with you. Here's the first one. We serve an unprecedented and an extraordinary God. These are unprecedented times and we're taking extraordinary measures, but we serve an unprecedented and an extraordinary God. And here's the second part. He is more than able to help us walk through unprecedented and extraordinary times. He is more than able to help us to walk through unprecedented and extraordinary times. Now listen, I use those words on purpose. He will help us to walk through Because that's what God does. He walks through and he walks with us through unprecedented and extraordinary times. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yes, we serve an unprecedented and an extraordinary God. And he is more than able to help us walk through unprecedented and extraordinary times. Now, there are many, many instances in the Bible where God came through for his people in unprecedented ways when they faced unprecedented times. As I was doing some research, just what scriptures to use for this message, I typed in my search engine, uh, stand still and see the salvation. Stand still and see the salvation of our God. There are two specific instances in the scripture where that took place, where God actually used those exact exact words. The first is in Exodus chapter 14, and it was at the Red Sea. Back in that time, the nation of Israel had been delivered from Egypt, and now they were at the Red Sea. And this is an unprecedented situation. They can't go forward because the sea's in front of them. They can't go backward because the Egyptian army is coming up behind them, they are stuck. They are in an unprecedented situation. And our unprecedented, jo- our unprecedented God came through. In fact, he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And what happened? The sea split. And they were able to walk through on dry land. And then when the Egyptian army went through the sea or tried to go through the sea, it collapsed 
on top of them. God, in that unprecedented time when they were up against a rock and a hard place, he came through in an unprecedented way. The second time was um, later in the history of Israel. There was a king. His name was Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat um, was in Jerusalem, and word came that several other kings had come and were getting ready to attack. In fact, they were in the nation of Israel already. They had crossed the Jordan River, and he was panicking because their nation was going to be overwhelmed and overrun by these foreign armies. They were going to be defeated. He called the people together. He called the army together, and then they prayed. And here's a very interesting prayer that they prayed in the 20th chapter and the 12th verse of Second Chronicles, O oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Unprecedented times. An attack coming on the nation of Israel. And God came in another unprecedented way. Here's, here's what happened. They were getting ready to do battle, and it was, it was night, and, and the next morning they were going to do battle with these five armies. I believe it was five. It may, have been, it may have been more. It may have been less. But they were going to do battle with them, and God said, stand still and see the salvation of our God. He said, you won't even have to fight this one. God answered their prayer. So they got ready to fight, and as they were coming over the hill, something had already taken place because as they were getting ready to fight, as the singers began to praise the God of heaven, God sent an unprecedented thing, and the armies started to fight amongst themselves. The enemies of Israel started to battle with each other, and they started to kill each other, that by the time Israel got to the battlefield, the battle was over. All they were able to do was to get the plunder. They stood still. They saw the salvation of God because God sent an extraordinary miracle for them at an extraordinary time. See, unprecedented times call for an unprecedented God. He answered and he came through for Israel. Many other times in the scripture he came through. Here's another point. This is big, but God is bigger. This is big, but God is bigger. I want to take you to a story in the book of Numbers. It's Numbers chapter 11. And here's another time when Israel needed God to come through. Actually, they wanted God to come through. They were actually complaining, yet God still came through. I'm just going to read you parts of the story, take you through the narrative, and make a couple of points. It starts off this way, starting in, the verse, in verse 4 of chapter 11. It says, The people of Israel also began to complain Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone and all we see is this manna. Manna was the bread God was miraculously supplying for the entire nation of Israel. Every day they had bread. But now they're complaining and they're whining because they miss meat. In verse 10, it says this, Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining, and the Lord became extremely angry, and Moses also was very agitated. And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating your servant so harshly? Have mercy on me. 
What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? Moses understood. He looked at the circumstance. He looked at the situation and realized there is no way he's going to be able to get meat for all these people. He goes on to say, um, they keep whining to me saying, give meat to, uh, give meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the people, Purify yourself, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will have, and you will have to eat it. And it won't be just for a day or two, or for five or ten or even twenty, you will eat it for a whole month. Now Moses heard the Lord say this, but look at his response. Moses is saying, God, there's a bunch of people here. Where are we going to get meat? Moses responded to the Lord, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. And yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month? Even if we butchered all of our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Now, hear what God said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Has my arm lost its power? Now will you see whether or not my word comes through. That's the line I want you to hear. God responding to Moses, Has my arm lost its power? This is big. But God is bigger, and God has not lost any power. He has not lost his power. This that the world is going through, this pandemic, it's huge. But our God is bigger. The needs of the Israelites for meat, it was huge. But God was big enough. Listen to what the story goes on to say. So Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to the people. Now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all that day and throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. They spread the quail all around the camp to dry. Quail for a month. They picked up enough meat that they could eat for a month. Millions of people fed for a month. See, there were 600,000 soldiers. There were 600,000 men who could fight. That meant that the amount of people that were being fed was on the very conservative side, 3 million. But most scholars, conservative scholars, believe it could have been 6 million people. Can you imagine meat for 6 million people? people, not for one day, not for two days, not for a week, but for an entire month. That is what God supplied. Their need was big. It was huge, but God was bigger. The Lord's arm has not lost its power, and I believe that the Lord is going to come through for you and me during this huge season of crisis because our God is bigger than, every, than anything. Then the next point I'd like to make is this. This is disruptive, but God 
is still in control. This is disruptive to our lives, but God is still in control. There's a, there's a story in the New Testament where Jesus is actually asleep in a boat when a major storm comes, and it's swamping the boat. Now, that's disruptive to those who are in the boat, for the fishermen who are in the boat, yet Jesus is sleeping through it because he knew that the Father was in control. And when they woke him up to say, Lord, don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. And he spoke, and the storm calmed. They were in something that was incredibly disruptive, but yet God was still in control. Jesus was secure in the care of the Father. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Yes, these are extraordinary times. These are unprecedented times. But this may be big, but God is bigger. This is disruptive, but God is still in control. And so the Bible tells us, God tells us, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Another thing that I just want to bring to your attention this morning is this. We are being impacted, but we are never abandoned. Hear that. We are being impacted. You're being impacted. I'm being impacted. The economy is being impacted. Health is being impacted. We are being impacted, but we are never abandoned. God said this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5. For God has, says, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, verse 33, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. We are impacted, but we are never abandoned. And the other thing I want to share this morning is the future the future is uncertain, but we know who holds the future. The future is uncertain, but we know who holds the future. King David wrote in Psalm 31 these, verse, these words, But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, You are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, rescue me. My future is in your hands. Rescue me. Rescue me. Some of you are probably feeling like you need to be rescued. There are days that I feel like I need to be rescued. When will this end? We don't know. But we know our future is secure. Our future may be uncertain, but we know who holds the future. I was listening to a newscast uh, sometime this week, and some of the individuals being interviewed made comments like this, we really can't plan for anything. We can't ask anyone because really no one has the answers. Everybody is speculating. We really don't know how this is going to play out. We don't know how many people will get sick. We don't know how long we are going to be asked to shelter in place. We don't know how long we're supposed to keep physical distancing or social distancing. They change the, they change the phrases almost on a daily basis. 
We are have un, it's, it's uncertain. <clears throat> it's uncertain. But we know who holds the future. Now, if you're like me, it almost feels like the world is out of control. I feel like I'm in a flood. I'm in a small little boat in a massively flooded river heading downstream. And I can't control the boat. I don't know what to do. I try, and it's just being carried downstream. That may be how you feel. That's how I feel. But here's what the Holy Spirit's been saying to me. Just go with the flow. Go with the flood. Don't try and fight it. Hang on to God and ride it out. Hang on to God and ride it out. And then he said, and encourage those around you. Hang on to God, ride it out. Continue to love, continue to reach out to those who are anxious and fearful and hurting. Hang on to God, ride it out. Continue to share your faith in actions and with words. It does feel like a flood is taking us all downstream. We can't stop the flood. We can't hang on to something to avoid the flood. We just need to ride it out. But ride it out hanging on to God. Pastor, how do, how do I do that? How can I hang on to God? How can I make it while this flood is surging all around me? I'm going to just give you a few brief points this morning. First of all, Spend more time with faith-producing materials than fear-producing materials. Spend more time with faith-producing materials than fear-producing materials. Now, don't stick your head in the sand. We need to be reading. We need to have information. Maybe we need to be watching newscasts, whatever it is. But if you're spending your entire day on CNN or Fox News or on NPR, whatever it might be, and that's all you're listening to all day long, you are spending your time filling your mind and your heart with materials that are probably producing fear. How much time are you spending with faith-producing materials? How much time do you spend in the Word of God, reading God's Word? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend in, in, in silence just before the Lord? And then, of course, how much time do you spend listening to music, good music, things that uplift you, things that feed your faith? And then spend time expressing thanksgiving. There is power in expressing thanksgiving. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. There is power in thanksgiving. There is power in praise. That's one of the reasons for music. Praise music. Lifting you up and then there's power in thanksgiving. But notice that it doesn't say for everything give thanks. I'm not giving any thanks for this disease. I'm not giving any thanks for having to be isolated. I'm not giving any thanks for what the economy is doing. But I am, be, I am giving thanks in all of my circumstances. And I have found that it has really helped me to ride this flood, to hang on to God, to go through the ups and downs of the waves. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Be thankful. Appreciate what you have. Express that thanks back to God. Praise and thanksgiving are powerful in our lives for feeding our souls. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And remember, folks, this will pass. We will come out the other side. 
But how well we come out the other side, how well we do, has a lot to do with how deeply we choose to press into God, how close we get to Him. I'm praying that as individuals and as a church body, when this is over, when this is over, we are closer to Jesus, closer to each other, and have made a difference in advancing the gospel and in sharing our lives with other people. Now maybe you're watching and you're anxious and you're worried because you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've just become aware that, oh, you've, you believe in God, but that relationship with God you don't have. Well, may I say this? He's inviting you into his family. God loves you. You can make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior before I'm done talking on this streaming broadcast. You can, because God loves you. He died for you. Maybe this time of worldwide crisis has made you realize that you are not close to God, you are far from God. Jesus is inviting you to have this relationship. He said in the book of Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I believe during times of crisis, a lot of times people's hearts are more open. And that might be you today. Your heart is open for a relationship with God. Jesus is calling. It says, he stands at the door and knocks. If anyone hears his voice, you're hearing God's voice. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And you're going to be able to open your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe for the very first time, maybe you're going to come back to him. If this is you today, would you close your eyes, hear my voice, and repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I am afraid, I am anxious about my future. But Lord, I can't say for certain that I know you hold my future. Lord, I confess that I am not following you, but I desire to. Lord, I hear your voice. I hear your knock. I'm opening the door to my heart. Please come in. Jesus, forgive my sins. Thank you for doing what you said you would do. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that if you pray a prayer like that and you believe it with your heart, the Lord comes in, he forgives your sins, you move from darkness to light, you have eternal life in your life. If you have done that, praise God for it. Welcome to the family. I'd ask a favor, if you have done that, would you somehow, either just by making a comment on Facebook or sending us uh, an email or a text to say, hey, Pastor Rick, I gave my heart to Jesus. We would like to rejoice with you. And now, as we close, as I close this message, I want to pray those words from Psalm 31 that David wrote. I want to pray them over all of us today. Would you bow your heads and bow your heart? Lord, I am trusting you. I am declaring, I am saying, you are my God. I'm anxious. It's hard for me to trust, but I am declaring that I am trusting you, O Lord. And I am also declaring that my future is in your hands. 
And if my future is in your hands, it is secure. Rescue me. Rescue me during this time of uncertainty. Rescue me from those things that are hunting me down. Lord, in Jesus' name, let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, rescue me. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.